Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. Here's what I know is true about you and me. It is easier to generate a list of those who owe us than a list of those we owe. It's easier to receive forgiveness than to give it. In the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to turn there with me, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke on the mountainside to his followers about how to experience deeper relationship with God and with people. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us what to elevate in our lives and what to reject in our lives to get the most out of life. The goal of everything in the Sermon on the Mount These five chapters in Matthew that cover the Sermon on the Mount. The goal of the Sermon on the Mount is action, not just knowledge. It's been said that the Sermon on the Mount is the most well-known sermon and least applied sermon ever preached. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But... If you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Wow. What Jesus describes here is forgiveness flowing through you. We may think we can receive God's forgiveness while at the same time holding on to revenge, resentment, hostility, and bitterness towards someone else. That does not That is not compatible to what Jesus has just said here. Jesus says it's not compatible for you to receive forgiveness this way, yet hold on to a whole bunch of debts this way. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. We can live like we have these two separate compartments. We have the compartment of God forgiving us, and it's like a separate compartment of us forgiving others. that's not what Jesus describes. Jesus describes it as kind of both operating in the same arena. Forgiveness is more for the forgiver than the forgiven. The debt that you are longing to collect is holding you back far more than it is hurting the one who owes you. We often think about forgiveness as it relates to some hurt from a long time ago. And I know that there are people in our church family who have walked a long journey of forgiveness. We often think about hurt from a long time ago, but what about something that happened today? Did something happen today that has resulted in someone owing you something? There's a point in my life when I came to terms with the reality that I was very good at accumulating tiny debts because something didn't go my way. Someone didn't respond the way that I wanted them to respond. 
And what do we know about little debts? Little debts add up to big debt. That's how your credit card works. Little debt adds up to big debt. That's what can sink a marriage. That's what can sever you from family members. This is what creates division between you and a coworker or a business partner. You wake up one morning and it feels like this person who's supposed to be so close to me, how did they become an enemy? It's not because of one big thing that you did or they did. What has happened instead is an accumulation of small unforgiven debts. And you may be feeling, why? I don't even know, I, I, I'm feeling hostility towards a person. I don't even know where this is coming from. Well, it may be that you're feeling so much division and separation towards people that you care about and you can't even point to something big that they did or you did. It could be this, an accumulation of small, unforgiven debts over time has become one big debt. So Jesus makes the statement, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. At the end of what we know is the Lord's Prayer, Jesus speaks about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, forgive, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Jesus told us, he's in, he's, and remember the Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. It's a teach, he's teaching us how to pray. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray to God, forgive us our sins. How would that prayer be answered? Basically, or other, another way of saying it, who would answer that prayer? If we're to pray to our Heavenly Father, forgive us our sins, who would be the answer to that prayer? It's, don't overthink it. Jesus, the answer to that prayer, Father, forgive us our sins, prayer answered, Jesus. Jesus took care of the first part, forgive us our sins, that's what we celebrate every day, the forgiveness of sin that we receive through Christ. Jesus told us to ask God to forgive us our sins. Within a, just a few short years of Jesus teaching us how to pray this way, Jesus would fulfill this forgiveness by dying on the cross. Paul wrote about this in his letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, and there's the word, forgave our sins. When you and I receive Jesus as savior, sins are forgiven, praise God. The debt for your sin is eternal separation from God. Because of what Jesus has done, you and I, we no longer owe that debt. Jesus says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Then he comes back to forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an asterisk. I always struggle to say that word. Forgiveness is an emphasis. It's not a side piece. Forgiveness is the emphasis. Verses 14 and 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. This word forgiveness in the original Greek is packed with so much depth and meaning. To forgive is to send away. 
To forgive is to allow to expire. To forgive is to let go. To forgive is to keep no longer. God is not interested in how accurately we track the debts we are owed. Whatever debt you have calculated, what Jesus says challenges us to make the choice to send away the debt, to allow the debt to expire, to let it go, to keep that debt no longer. Forgiveness is taking the position, whatever you owe, whatever you owe me for what you did to me, you do not owe me that anymore. At at the heart of forgiveness, that's what forgiveness is. Whatever you owe me, I am making the decision. Because Jesus loves me, I am deciding that you no longer owe me whatever that is. We have a choice to live owed or to live forgiven. We have a choice to live owed or to live forgiven. It is God's desire that others will receive forgiveness from you and me as a result of the forgiveness that we have received received from him. Now, forgiveness is not excusing, overlooking, approving, minimizing, or condoning. We have to see that. Forgiveness may not even mean reconciliation. Let's say I loaned you something that cost $100 and you break it. Actually, let's reverse the scenario and I'm going to make you the good guy, okay? You loan me something that cost $100 and I break it. What do I owe you? $100 or a new one, right? To forgive that debt for me does not mean that I get to automatically have permission to use your new one. To forgive abuse is to release them from what they've done to you in the past, but it doesn't mean that they automatically have permission to return to your life. Jesus challenges us to be people who have a reputation for forgiveness. Be known for your forgiveness, not your debt collection. We become more like Christ when forgiveness is our default response. People are far more likely to tell the story of how you forgave them than the story of how you collected a debt from them. And we we have this pushback because we think of specific situations and we think if I forgive, then people will trample all over me. People will take advantage. If I have a reputation for forgiveness, they will do things to me and they will make promises that they know that they can break. And if you say that that's not right, that somebody would trample all over you, I would agree. My question is, how often do we do that to Jesus? How often do we, how often do we take advantage of his grace? How often do we take advantage of Jesus' mercy, forgiveness, and compassion? How often do we take for granted that we can sin against him and he's going to forgive us? So are are, are you following me? We don't want people to trample over our forgiveness. We don't want people to take advantage of our forgiveness. We don't want people to see that we have a reputation of forgiveness because then they will take advantage of it. But how, church, how often do we do that to Jesus? How often do we say, well, I've sinned this way before and he's always forgiven me, so I'm just gonna 
Go ahead and do it again. Even though it's taking advantage of the grace that we have from Jesus. How often do we trample the name of Christ or our witness because we have confidence that Jesus will give us another chance? Forgive others because God has forgiven you. Have you ever thought about it this way? The debt Jesus forgave for you is far greater than the debt anyone owes you. Jesus died on the cross and defeated the grave for you to receive forgiveness for the sin that separates you from God. He restored you to your heavenly father. Let's be a church that develops a reputation for forgiveness. What do people who figured this out, what did they discover? What they've discovered is they don't, they don't want to carry the debts anymore. This may be you. You've decided at some point in your life, I, I just, there's all, the, all these debts that I could carry. But maybe it's your story. At some point in your life, you can even point to a moment where you decided, I'm, I have all these debts that I could carry, but I'm making the decision. I don't want to be weighed down with it by them anymore. So I'm going to make the choice to no longer carry the debts. The debts of time, money, attention, apology, endorsement, promotion, or like I said, a period of suffering. If we wanted to, we could live a life of being owed. You owe me time. You owe me money. You owe me attention. You owe me an apology. You owe me a promotion. We could live like that. But people who have decided to live a life of forgiveness, what they recognize is that they will be wronged again. They will be manipulated again. Neglected, rejected, deceived, ignored, lied to, denied, abused, cheated, disrespected, misunderstood, overlooked, overcharged, underappreciated, taken for granted. They're saying it likely will happen again. But I have decided to make forgiveness my default response. When it happens, it's, it's not just deciding about past debts. It's about saying, I'm going to be a forward-looking forgiver. I'm going to look for opportunities to live in forgiveness. I'm choosing to live as a forgiven person, not a person who is owed. I believe that those who would say that they have decided to live in a place of forgiveness where it's become their default response, they would say as a direct result, if this is your story, you would say you live with so much more joy. You have found so much more joy when you decided to live as a forgiven person instead of living as an owed person. Forgive because you have forgiven is a recurring concept in God's word. Colossians 3, verse 13, make allowance, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgive because you have been forgiven. It was so important to Jesus that he told a parable about it. A way to understand parables is parables are fictional stories used by Jesus to illustrate, illustrate spiritual truth. And I want to summarize this for us. Matthew 18, a man owes a great debt to the king. The man cannot pay. 
So the king orders that the man, his wife, and his children be sold into slavery. The man falls to the king's feet, begs for mercy, and even promises that he'll pay it all back. He said, just don't sell me into slavery. And what happens in the king's heart? The king is filled with pity, with mercy, with grace for the man. He realizes that there's no way that this man can ever repay his debt. So what does the king do? The king forgives the entire balance of the man's debt. Then, as soon as the man whose debt is forgiven leaves the king's presence, what does the forgiven man do? The forgiven man runs into someone else who owes him money. And the forgiven man grabs this debtor by the throat, the Bible says, and demands instant payment. And the debtor says, there's no way that I can pay you now, but be patient with me. And what does the forgiven man do? The man who's been forgiven by the king. The forgiven man demands for his debtor to be thrown into prison. Well, word gets back to the king. And the king is not happy. Matthew 18, verse 32. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Verse 33, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? When we look at this parable as an outsider looking in, it's so obvious, right? If we think of the king as our heavenly father, he has forgiven us the most tremendous debt, the debt of our sin, a debt that we can never repay no matter how many good deeds we do. God has forgiven us that debt through his son, Jesus Christ. Yet how many times do we receive that forgiveness from God, yet then go back out into the world and think of all the people who owe us, and maybe even taking it to some parallel extreme, like this man who is owed a relatively small amount and demands that the person who's in debt be thrown into prison. And our heavenly father, would look at us and say, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? When you declared Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your heavenly Father forgave the most tremendous life debt that you ever could accumulate. Let's be a community. Let's be a community known for the forgiveness and mercy we give to others. May I invite you to stand in this place with me tonight? Maybe you noticed our platform was finished today. Does it look nice? Thank you to Dan Sollinger and his team. Thank you for making the vision a reality. As we set down the path of desiring to update the sanctuary and we still have more to go, 
we said what is so important is that we preserve and even expand the amount of space that we have for people to respond in the altar. So I'm going to ask you, if it helps to close your eyes for a second, to reflect on is there, is there a debt you're carrying tonight? And our mind first, like we said, for so many of us, it goes to people who may owe us money. Maybe you can remember somebody who owes you 10 bucks 50 years ago. Man, forgive the debt. Let go of the $10. Maybe someone borrowed something from you and they broke it and they owe you a new one and they never offered to buy you a new one. But then there's the more subtle debts that we can accumulate. Maybe it's against a debt that we have been holding against a parent. Or we feel like dad just owed us more time. Seems like he had time for everybody else except for us or for me. Maybe it's attention. You feel like someone owes you attention. Maybe you were in a situation where It didn't go as well as you wanted it to the first time. And because of your character, because of your reputation, you feel like you were owed a second chance and the second chance was never offered. Maybe it was a, a business experience where you were even let go from your position and you said, they owe me a second chance and you've held on to that debt. For someone in this room, it's an apology someone has really hurt you and they never said I'm sorry and as a result of holding on to that apology debt it's snowballed inside of you and it's created a bitterness maybe someone caused a suffering in your life and you feel like because of the suffering that they caused you, that they owe you a, a period of suffering. And you felt like it's unfair, it's unjust, and you've held on to it like a debt, desiring that they would go through suffering because you've gone through suffering. It could be what I've listed, it could be something else. But I think that most of us maybe even all of us here tonight would say that we are holding on to a measure of unforgiveness. So I'm going to invite you as the worship team begins to play to step out of your row and to come down to this altar space. And if it helps, you can hold your hands out like you are carrying whatever that debt may be. And, Man, who cares what the person next to you is doing? This is a moment between you and God. Let's just like not pretend. Like let's just all come to the to the point of transparency where we can say most of us or all of us are carrying some level of forgiveness. And you are identifying tonight that you don't want that to hold you back any longer. And so you want to bring this to the altar. And say I don't want to carry this debt anymore. I can see some of you are already ready to come out of your rows. So as the worship team begins to sing, 
If you have forgiveness, you want to lay at the feet of Jesus, come forward. Come forward. Bring that debt. Lay it at the feet of Christ and experience the freedom that God wants to give you. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.